So this morning, what we're going to do is we're actually, if you remember last week, we're, we're going through this series entitled Vision. Um, really giving you, if I could say, a picture of the future for this church. Um, uh, for me, it's been the, the end of two and a half years of my wife and I praying, writing, thinking, seeking counsel of what we feel the Lord wanting to do in a local church. And so I want to recap with you just what we talked about last week, and then where we're going, then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to start, all right? So last week, we, we looked at two things, and the importance of identity and vision. Okay, how vision is, is, is a picture of the future with passion for it today. But you can have a great vision, but without an identity, many of these things fall to the wayside. Right? You've never seen a visionary right, with, with, with weak identity. And so our identity last week, to give us kind of who we are, you know, what is it that we want to become as a people, uh, was this. Our identity, we are a gospel-centered family for the glory of God. Right? We're not just a family. We're not just a welcoming community. We're not just really nice people. But we're people that when you come into our circle, we want to make the gospel the center of that truth. That the redemptive work of Christ is what unites us. Now that sometimes doesn't really click with modern culture, right? We gotta like the same things, we gotta watch the same shows, we gotta have the same tastes, but that's not the way it works when it comes to the gospel. We want the, our uniting factor to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what our identity um, I believe for this season is meant uh, to be for us. So we're a family. We're sons and daughters. We're redeemed by Christ. And now you are my brothers and sisters. Okay, there's differences among us, but yet we're still brothers and sisters. And so we live in that identity reality of family, ultimately for the praise of God, for the glory of God. All right, so, so that's our identity. And we, if you want to listen to that, you can listen to that uh, last week's sermon. But we tied it in to vision. Vision is so important, right? Uh, I gave that example, right? At the beginning of the year of just, you know, at least for me, my vision is to what? To, to lose a couple of pounds. Right? We have vision for so many things in our lives. If you were, uh, you know, if you're a sophomore, uh, junior, senior in high school, what do you think? What's your vision? Get into college, right? So, so you have a vision of your life. Well, our vision was this. This is, what we want, this is who we want to be at the, end of, at the end of the day. Is Our vision is to make Christ the center of all things. Okay, we want Christ, uh, the person of Jesus Christ, to be here at the center of the service, center of our marriages, for one, for, for one primary reason, to see God's people mature and be transformed in three places, individually at the heart level, two in our homes, in the way we raise our children, in our relationships, if you're single, in your relationships with your family, and ultimately in your everyday life. And I know that's kind of like, Wait, I mean, my, I just work in a factory, man. I mean, I, I mean that's not very gospel-centered. But, but I, I'm here to tell you that I believe that when Jesus said to go and do, to send us, he didn't just talk about missionaries somewhere in the Middle East. It was for every single one of us here in everyday life. You can tell a lot by visiting a family and seeing the way they raise up their children in the way of God and how their relationship with Christ is. I'm going to tell you right now, we can have a big ministry, we can have a great sound system, we can have a great preacher, but if you're able to go and discern their life through the way they, relate, they give their relationship to Jesus and the fruit of their home, you can tell a lot, right? Uh, and we do this in, not, not just um, in our hearts, but we do it in our homes and in everyday life. So last week was identity and vision. And we're going to flesh that out more, you know, as we get to know each other, and as we continue to drive this forward. But I think one of the key things is that, you know, vision without execution is failure. 
right? You can have a great big vision, but if you don't really do it, if you don't have a strategy to do it, uh, it's just all talk. So that's where mission comes in. So for us, uh, our sermon this morning is just, what is uh, our mission here of this church? Uh, my prayer is that it not only encourages you, but it begins to give you some practical ideas of what that looks like here. What do we mean right, when we say that we're going to make Christ the center of all things? How is the church going to play a role in that? Like, is that just a cool, nice, big statement? No, no. How does that, what does that look like in my heart, in my home, and tomorrow when I get back to work? So let me, let me define mission uh, just briefly. Mission is the motivating passion to accomplish our, our vision. Okay, mission is the motivating passion to accomplish our, our vision. Who's heard here, uh, who here has heard of Dave Ramsey? Anybody? Dave Ramsey, some of you guys, right? Uh, he was like, oh, we have, we have, you know, these guys, they definitely have heard of him. And, uh, and, and something that you know, uh, what is Dave Ramsey's vision for, for, for money? I mean, ultimately, it's what? Like, get out of debt, right? Isn't that it? Like, uh, build wealth, right? Uh, through uh, getting out of debt. So that's his vision. But uh, he doesn't just give you that. What does he give you? He gives you steps to take, right? He gives you the baby steps. See, that's his mission. That's how he gets to that point. We can sit here and say, oh, we're going to get out of there. That's great. But we're not putting in the work. If we don't have a mission of how to accomplish that, well, vision is just, it's just a nice big slogan. And so for us, mission is what we're practically going to do to see this vision of making Christ the center um, of all things in our life as a church. Okay, so vision and mission are bound together. Let me give you a couple more examples, okay? 2006, in Argentina, Blake Mikowski uh, witnessed the poverty and the slums of South America. Okay, wanting to help, he did with any, at that point, we didn't know what millennials were, but like any millennial, right? What did he say? I want to change the world, right? And what did he do? He created a company, I don't know, Tom Shoes. Anybody? Anybody heard of that company, right? Um, you know, millennials are like, oh, I have four of those. Yes, I do. Um, but, but, but he created that company because he had one vision, to give shoes, uh, a vision, to give shoes to all these children. That was his vision, right? That every, none of them would, would walk to school, go to their field without shoes. But he didn't just have a vision. What did he do, right? He, then he created this company, and he began to say that, you know, for every uh, pair of shoes that was purchased, a new pair of shoes would be given to children in need, right? So you guys catching some of the difference here, right? We need not just vision, but we need missions uh, in our lives. Samaritan's Purse, we just saw that video, led by Franklin Graham, right? It's an organization that wants to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, vision, how, right, by providing spiritual and physical aid to victims of war, natural disasters, famine, and poverty, all right? And so the question for us this morning is, one, as we begin, just think about your life. What, what, is, what is your mission? What motivates you to get to that end goal? What are you doing to get there, okay? So that, that, that's a, that you answer that on your, on your own. But as a local church, the question is then, Okay, so what about us? What are, what are, what are we called to do and to, and to do while we're here in this age before Jesus comes back? The fact is that the, the local church mission, it's not Omar's mission. It is not, God, even Garwood Church doesn't have a mission. It shouldn't. Churches by themselves do not have different missions. See, the, the church of Christ as a whole has one mission and one mission alone. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at God's mission for the church. We're going to take that, how does, what does that look like for our church here, you know, in Garwood? And lastly, 
what does that look like practically? What, what does it look like for somebody to come in and say, okay, I want to I be a member of your church. I, 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 love the vi I love the vision. I love everything about you guys, the mission. But how are you going to help me to get to that point? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So some of it, maybe, uh, you know, if you're, you're practical, you know, like I tend to be, it might be too, too analytical, but I think it's going to give you some real concrete pictures of what we want to see in the future. You guys ready? All right, well, let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you this morning that we can gather here and worship you. I thank you that you've given, um, given the Church of Christ a, 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 a mission to accomplish, Lord, a purpose to go forward. I pray that uh, as, we, as we gather together uh, around your word, God, that our spirits may be awakened. Lord, that we may not live in isolation, but Lord, we may bow down before the mission that you've given us. So Father, I thank you uh, that we can be here together, and I pray that your Holy Spirit may awaken the, 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 just the pockets of dead things in our hearts, just the purposelessness that we tend to feel um, in, in this season of our lives sometimes. Help us, O oh Lord, we pray. Let your word come alive to us as we read Matthew 28. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so go with me to Matthew 28. And, and all we're going to do uh, in the context of the mission of God is looking just at two passages, Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, and Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8. Both parallel passages of, um, of, of what's called the Great Commission. Anybody familiar with that? You've heard the Great Commission before, right? Some of you heard of that. Um, really, the mission of the church cannot be any more clear than when Jesus uh, ascended. When Jesus ascended, according to Ephesians 4, he released gifts to men. Right? All, you can find those in Ephesians 4, verse 11. But uh, here in Matthew 28, Matthew kind of doesn't really give you the ascension of Jesus. He just kind of gives you the last words of Jesus as he goes. And what are the last words? Here's what you're called to do as a people. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus does, it, it, he is ascending, but yet we see the same picture. So we're going to look at these two things and put them together um, and, and give us a picture of what God's mission for his church is. And so let me go ahead and read Matthew 28, verse, um, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, watch this, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always until the end of the age. So to break this down, I just want to give you four parameters or four concepts, four pieces of this uh, mission. And it is go, make, teach, and take. Okay? Go, make, teach, and take. You see, when we think about the mission of God, we first must begin with who we are. And it is the fact that Jesus is saying this, go. Jesus is sending us. Okay? Uh, our mission is not simply to be um, uh, what do you call, an audience to God's mission. Okay? Our, our mission in this, in this age here is not simply to be sitting, if I could say this, you know, in a hypothetical pew and receive and receive. But Jesus calls all of us to go. We are sent people. In fact, that word apostolos, that word of, of sending, it, it come, we get the word apostle from that. That's what apostles were. They were sent once. But in a way, all of us are people who have been sent. 
Why have we been sent? Let me read to you John 20 and 21. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So let's think about why Jesus was sent, right? He came to do what? To, to seek and save the lost, to redeem, to proclaim the coming kingdom of the Messiah. Right? Our mission cannot be any clearer. Okay, we are being sent a sent people. Uh, I want to tell you that, that for, many, uh, for many of us, you know, when um, we feel purposeless, you know, we feel like we don't have a purpose in life. We feel like God hasn't given us a call or he hasn't tell, told us what to do. But the fact is that every believer that is a member of the global church of Christ is now meant to pick up Jesus' work uh, on the earth and continue to do it. In other words, we have a job to do. Our mission is tied up in being sent for mission. I think this is important as you look at the Great Commission because we think of, well, before we think about doing, we have to posture ourselves and, and think, okay, I need to move. Uh, you know, Christianity is not static, right? But it moves it, it, with ebbs and flows. It moves forward. So number one that we have to capture in our, in, in our mission is that we are sent people. We are called to go, okay? Number two, uh, and this is uh, more clear here in verse 19, you're called to go and make disciples of all nations. Oop, this mic sounds funny here. Um, make disciples of all nations. Now, this is important. There's a word here before this word, uh, this word nations. is the, the Greek word ethne. Does that sound familiar? Ethne? Ethnic? Right? That's where we get the word ethnic. Now, I think it's okay to think about it in terms of nations. The word uh, called to make disciples of all nations. But it's a little bit more, more than that. It's not just governmentally run nations. For ethne, this word does not just refer to nations, but this word is most often used to talk about Gentiles, those who are non-Jews. In fact, the book of Galatians, uh, parts of the book of Acts, you see this division between Jews and Gentiles. Okay, the fact is that God was uh, spreading the gospel now, not just to the Jews, but now to those who are far off. To the Gentiles. Gentiles were those outside of the Jewish community of faith. They were, as, as some would say, the uncircumcised. So in the first century world, there was only Jews and the ethne. Another term for that could be ethnic, to the Gentile, to the pagan. And so what, what, what are we saying here in terms of mission? One, we're sent to go. We're sent to be active in the role of the mission of God. To do what? to make disciples, and we're going to give you a definition a little later, a little bit more of discipleship, um, but to make disciples of every people group, of not, not just nations, but just think about, I mean, if you think about New York City uh, and the amount of um, ethnicities that we have, if you think of Garwood, you think of Union, where I live, I mean, we have Creole, you know, you have black, you have white, Latino, Central American, all these are different types of people. And so we're not just called to make friends, if I could say that, in the church, but we're called to make disciples. And, and I said this last week, you know, um, you need kind of three people around you, people that challenge you, right? People that you trust and, and people that need you. Think about discipleship for a second. When was the last time you discipled someone into, into, belief, into, into the, our faith of Je uh, the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay, that, that's a challenging thing for us to ask, okay? So number one, go. Two, make disciples. Three, teach, um, teach and preach repentance and forgiveness. Look at verse 19 again. Therefore, go and make disciples, and he adds two things, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have 
commanded. What God desires when we talk about discipleship is he wants new believers and people who don't know Christ to embrace him whole. Baptism lays before us a challenge of being publicly identified with Jesus. Today, you might feel like it's not, a big de- not as big of a deal. It's still a big deal today. But in the first century, he meant death. It may be popular to say we follow Jesus in private, but baptism challenges that reality. And when you became a disciple of Jesus Christ, you told the world, I now follow him and not the pagan gods from where I came from. Okay, so, so here you have this. You have this going active uh, mission, right? You have this making disciples mission, uh, you know, forming people, developing people uh, into a love with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Then you're teaching them, okay, how to grow in Christ. And people are getting baptized. Okay, all this is God's mission. I'm going to summarize it in just a minute. But you're also called to teach, to watch over the obedience of these disciples, Okay? And so this means that, that we make disciples that walk like Jesus, that talk like Jesus, and that ultimately lead like Jesus. It is not, it is not, uh, Christianity is not simply that we say we love Christ, but it is rather that we live like him. It's one thing to tell your children, don't pick that up or, or pass me that thing. Another thing is to actually see them do it. And what we see in Matthew 28 is that Christianity is not just a preaching or teaching ministry. It is actually a transformation in maturation reality. You guys with me so far? All right. So uh, last one here, take. Not only are we called to go, make, teach this gospel, but again, we're called to spread this thing. Okay. Uh, Look at Acts uh, uh, 1.8. Okay. It says this. After waiting there, right, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The parallel verse of the Great Commission, there is an empowering of the Holy Spirit to do this work. Okay, let me just say this. All these th- you know, what we're mentioning here about the Great Commission is not something you could do by your own. You can't just sit there and go, I'm going to make disciples tomorrow, and I'm going to grab a book and read how to make disciples. I appreciate those books, by the way. But it is the power of the Holy Spirit. You have guys like me who there was no form or shape or idea of how to win me, and then it was just a prayer in a pew in a Pentecostal church, right? And then I became a disciple of Jesus Christ. But without the Spirit of God, we got nothing. And so we see here that it is the Spirit's work. And what does the Spirit uh, uh, commands us to do, right? Take this gospel everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Okay, we're empowered by God to, to share this gospel, to take this mission of discipleship making locally, globe, uh, regionally, and globally. Let me put it in my terms, okay? Uh, I'm going I'm to even like narrow it down even a little more. In my heart... I need to become a disciple of Jesus Christ in my home, in my wife, in my children, and in everyday life. And as I see the needs of the world, as the Lord impresses me to go elsewhere, I'm going to go where no one's going and preach this gospel as well. But one of the detriments of a modern culture, modern Christian culture, is that we have a vision for external. We have a vision for the outside when the house is on fire, right? That's not what we want here. We want to see lives transformed and mature. Remember our vision, right? We want to see maturing lives, transformed lives, 
but he begins here as he begins to make his, vision, his mission real. And so, uh, and so now, let me, let me give you that. Let me give you our mission, and I'm going to put it into our own words here to make it simpler for you. And what I believe we need to be doing for this next season, next season of this church. And here it is, okay? Our mission is to raise up mature disciples who live out the gospel in everyday life. Our mission is to raise up mature disciples who live out the gospel in everyday life. A disciple is someone who knows, grows, loves, and longs for Jesus. Okay? Let me say that again. The disciple is someone who knows, grows, loves, and longs for Jesus. Not only do we want his presence in us today, not only do we want his grace and love in us today, but we're longing for Jesus to be the center of all of our life until he comes back and makes all things new. When I say uh, this word to raise up, you know, sounds, I don't know if it sounds triumphalistic, you know, I don't know if it sounds like, oh, we're going to raise up. It sounds very like, I don't know, a motivational speakerish type. But, but here's what I mean by raising up. It has to do with spiritual formation. It has to do with people developing, with people growing, with the church not being sitting and just saying, all right, let's see what happens next. Let's see, let's see what, you know, let's see what happens next week and the week after. We are not after converts only. We're after lovers and disciples who mature in their faith. Amen? Okay? We want to see people grow and change by the power of the Holy Spirit. I know this is pretty simple, right? You're not writing that down, right? You're like, okay, yeah, of course. I mean, that's what we want. But, but, but we want this to be our mission. We want to raise these people up. We want to see you and me. I want you to see growth in my life. I haven't landed. you know that? My kids still, you know, they, they say things they shouldn't say. My wife and I do things we shouldn't do sometimes, you know. We are not perfect people, and I pray that I mature in the gospel as I take this mission to heart. Okay, we want to see people grow and change, and there is messiness in that because all of us are in different layers, of, or different seasons of our lives. So, again, what do we mean by raising up? And, again, I'm summarizing Matthew 28, um, um, 16 to 20, and Acts 1 and 8 for us. We want to raise up mature disciples who live out the gospel. That's what we want to do. That's what I believe our mission is. If I could say this, for all churches, uh, that is the mission, to raise up disciples. But there's a descriptive word here. What's a descriptive word? You want to say that with me? To raise up what? Say it with me. Mature, right? Say it with me. Mature, right? Raise up mature disciples. Okay, uh, obviously, no one wants to raise up immature disciples, right? Uh, but but I, I use this um, descriptive word because it is the type of disciples that we want to raise up. When you have kids, you know that when they are young, right, there is a certain level of immaturity. But what do you see in children? What do they do? They grow, right? They don't do the same things they used to do. If a seven-year-old came here kicking and screaming on the floor, you go, oh, well, that, that's not good, but it's seven, he's seven years old. Now, if you see a 27-year-old in the middle of church crying and screaming, you, we have a problem, right? That's our mission. We don't want to be 27-year-old and uh, walk like seven-year-olds, okay? Our mission is, is to see people mature in Christ. So when we say to, uh, we want to raise up mature disciples, um, I'm not saying, and I want, to hear, you know, I want you to hear this, that we want just mature people. That, that's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is that in whatever level you're at, we want this church to be, uh, you know, fanning the flame of change. 
We, we're not, we're not going to say you need to change because that's wrong and, and, and put, you know, kind of Bible thump you. That's not what we're saying. But if we're really having this vision and putting Christ at the center of everything, and he is the center of everything, you know what's going to happen? You're going to begin to grow. That's just the natural progression of our life in Christ. Okay, so let me emphasize this, um, this maturity piece uh, of our mission. Here's, uh, we emphasize maturity because we're trying to communicate two things. Okay, one, we're not okay with comfort. Um, we're after maturity. We are not okay with the status quo of modern Christianity. We're not okay with simply preaching here a gospel and going, and going home and just, all right, see you guys next Sunday. We're not, we can't be okay with that. We can't be okay with, oh, I already know everything I need to know about the Bible and there's nothing I need to know. No, we're not okay with that. Mature people see that and go, I need to grow. I need to develop. I need to form my marriage, inform my marriage in, uh, through the, in and through the gospel. Jesus drew a crowd and could shrink a crowd. Jesus drew a crowd by a free meal. Then after, what did he do? He said some really hard stuff. And what would happen to the people? See you later. Right? Because Jesus would come and he was not okay with comfort. He was not okay with, with a simple Christi form of Christianity that simply says, everything goes. Everything's okay. You know what we're saying? It's okay not to be okay, but it's also not okay to be okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We do not want people to stay where they are. We want people to mature and to develop in their gospel-centered identity as we make Christ the center of everything. So number one, we're not okay with comfort. So if you like comfort, man, I'm, that's going to be hard. All right? If you really want to chill out and take a, take a back seat to church, it's just, it's going to feel awkward. It's just, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just saying, you can talk to me after. But, but, but I say that because it's not us. It's what the Bible tells us. It's not Omar. I mean, because I'm being challenged too. Okay, so number two, we're also not okay with numerical growth at the expense of spiritual lethargy. We're not okay with numerical growth at the expense of spiritual lethargy. I, I, okay, we cannot, we love people that visit. We love growth, man, that's so awesome. But if people are not willing to grow and grow in maturity, we're not okay with that. Because their ultimate purpose is to present Christ a bride without blemish, amen? That's our role. We must feel the weight of that. I feel it. Well, you know, it's not because it's me, it's because I will be judged more severely uh, by the level in which I present his bride when he comes back, okay? So we're not okay with, spirit, uh, with numerical growth at the, at the expense of spiritual lethargy. I'd rather have you all, who are just, we're all just battling and struggling along and failing every day, but saying, yeah, but I still want Christ at the center of everything. I still want to mature. I'd rather have that than have a thousand people who I don't know <laughs> and who are doing their own lives and not committing to fellowship and the gospel. So what is our call? Our call is from one of infancy into maturity. Bible. Go to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Okay. 1 Peter um, chapter 2 verse 1 and 2. And I'm just going to read kind of the first piece. Just... Um, Verse 1. Let me read verse 1 first. It says this, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Okay, don't read verse 2 yet. 
Peter calls believers into a separation from the past. He, he calls people into this, if I could say this, future thinking identity, which he's going to talk about in just a minute, of, of letting, get rid of who you used to be. That person before, you need to let go of that thing because now you are in this new reality of life in Christ, fellowship with Him, again, making Him the center of everything. So Peter calls believers into this reality, into, like it says, into transformation and maturity. How do you know it's maturity and transformation? All right, now read verse 2. Look at verse 2. Like a newborn baby craves spiritual milk so that by it, you may grow up, in the Greek word mature, okay, in your salvation, now that you have tasted the, that the Lord is good, okay? We may be babies now, but we do not want to stay that way, okay? Through the Word of God, we're called into maturity. So let, let, me, let, me, let me give you a practical way in which you can gauge where you're at, okay? Where were you 10 years ago? Where was your spiritual life with God 10 years ago? Okay, just... Take a moment, think, think through that. Where were you 10 years ago? Okay, five years ago. Think about five years ago. Where were you spiritually with God? Your understanding of the gospel, your, your, your present, the presence, uh, you, you know, your relationship with Jesus Christ. Where were you five years ago? Um, and look at now. Have you changed? Has there been growth in your life? Has there been aspects of your life where the word was not as precious as it is now? Was the arguments in your marriage uh, that really are binding you still, like, still kind of there? Are the issues with our children and raising up obedient and, and the management of God still a problem today? Uh, brothers and sisters, this is a call to maturity. Where were you five years ago? Where were you a year ago? I, my prayer is that we can say this two years from now or a year from now and say, I have grown leaps and bounds. Amen? Isn't that, isn't that a prayer? Isn't that what we want? That's what we want as a church, to, to keep moving forward, to keep growing. Luke 2.52, guess who, grow, who had to grow as well in his humanity? Jesus Christ himself. Luke 2.52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor in his relationship with God and with man. That word grew, guess what? That, another, another translation could be mature. He matured in wisdom, stature, in favor with God and with man, okay? So, so it's not just you, but Jesus himself had to mature into the fullness of the Son before he was called to be uh, the sacrificial lamb on our behalf. So uh, this mature piece is important because we're not just saying raise up converts or raise up people to come to church or raise up more people to play an instrument. We're saying mature disciples, Lovers of Jesus, followers of Jesus, and those who long for Jesus. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Um, we're going we're gonna to look at this here. One second. Hmm. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. I'm just going to go ahead and read this to you. Now, we have much to say about this. Or he had just talked a bunch of, of big theological themes prior to this. Um, and then he says this, But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the, ele the elementary truths of God's word all over again. 
You need milk, not solid food. Uh, another translation could be, uh, you're a bunch of babies. <laughs> you know, um, that's just my translation. All right, verse 13. Anyone who lives on milk is still an infant and not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But, to, but solid food is for who? Say that with me. Say it again. To the who? The mature. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Okay, one of the pickup, something you can pick up, a person's mature, they can discern good and evil, right? That, that's what that uh, leads us to here. There has to be a point where you're a, a developed disciple, a mature disciple. Here's why. You know why you, you need to go to maturity? Here's why. Because you're meant to call other people into discipleship. An immature disciple, what is he going to produce? An immature disciple, right? If, if, you know, if, if I don't have the gospel rooted in my life, if the Holy Spirit is not sending me, uh, I should be very cautious in raising up disciples because what am I going to produce? Another person like me. You see, we're called to maturity because we've got to raise up more mature disciples. God has done something for you so that he can do something through you. That's what we're called to be. So again, our mission is to raise up mature disciples, to develop mature disciples, uh, to live out the gospel in everyday life. And so it is a grace, and this is to live out the gospel piece. It, it takes grace and maturity to live the gospel well. Listen, it's really, can I say this? It's really easy for me to live out the gospel on a Sunday morning. From, from about 8.30 to about 1, man, I live out that gospel. You guys see me walking around saying hi to everybody? Right? You're like, oh, he's so good. Oh, we're so glad he's here. I'm here talking to Maria, praying with John. It's so, it's so easy to pray with John and Maria. I mean, it's just like, Lord, send your fire, Holy Spirit, you know. But we're saying live the gospel well. I'm not saying live the gospel at church. What that means is that in everyday life, in my home, in my job, as, I, as, as, as death comes, as suffering comes, there's matur maturation and transformation taking place. That although there is an enemy, there is a tax in our lives, we're still striving for growth. We're still wanting God to do something in our lives that is mo much more than what people can see. In fact, maturity, sometimes, you know, you can't really tell it's in our hearts, isn't it? It, it, it grows and people don't know it, but you know you're growing. And so we must live out the gospel in our daily life. When that person cuts you off in traffic, right? When that person cuts you off at Kings and just jumps in that line, you're upset about the mass thing and you're just annoyed. I mean, that's a gospel issue of laying your life down for others, of going to the Word of God and saying, Lord, where do I need to change? And so we must live at the gospel where it matters in our hearts and in our homes and in our everyday life. We must seek unity with each other as a church. We serve each other. We, we live it out in the, in the daily grind of this age, this, this fallen age that weighs so heavily on us. Someone who lives the gospel gives her, her life to the mission of the church. Someone who lives the gospel out makes their life second to Christ's mission. What is first in your life? Is it your dreams? Is it your calling? Is it, is it, is it your degree? Well, that's secondary to the mission of God's church. Okay. You may be saying, um, um, you may be saying this, is, this, is, this is not for me. This is difficult, but this is why this is a work of the Spirit. Amen? This is not a work of somebody telling you what to do. This is the Holy Spirit, the power of God that awakens us to this reality. All right. 
You guys get the mission there so far? You guys good? All right, so here's where we're going to go. What does that look like practically for our church, okay? So uh, what I want to say is this. When I say matura uh, maturation and maturity, what I mean by that is discipleship, okay? When, when, even when we think about membership, we think about who are the members of the church. I want us to say, who are the disciples of the church? When we think about um, how are we going to grow into maturity, what do we mean? How are we going to grow in, 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 the, in our pathway to discipleship? And so I want to give you four, um, four if I could say, uh, practical uh, pathway, uh, the, the pathway into maturation, discipleship. And, and here's what that looks like practically. Right now, uh, many of you uh, are, are coming to the church. We have new families that have come to the church as well. And we want you to be plugged in or to, to find a, a rhythm of growth. To say, okay, this is where I'm at. I need to grow. How do I do that at this church? How do I grow in my relationship with Christ, in the Word of God, in theology, and as a leader uh, for Christ's church? And so this is how we're going to do it. Okay? And find yourself in these four things. One, we want people, first and foremost, to know Christ. Amen? Right? We want people to know Jesus Christ. You cannot be a disciple without knowing Christ. So how is the church going to do this? How is the church going to help us in maturation for a person that doesn't know Christ and wants to be a follower of Jesus? Well, we're going to be partnering with the team at Alpha. Okay? Alpha is a tool built for local churches to invite their neighborhoods, to invite people to, have three, to do three things. Have a meal, watch a talk, and to have a discussion. The purpose of this gathering is to simply allow people to ask questions about faith. Uh, um, I was actually, um, I came to Christ to something similar uh, when I read Lee Strobel's Case for Christ. I don't know if you ever heard of that book. But I read that book and it, it, it showed me that Jesus was a real person. It shows me why the Bible must be believed, uh, the, the, the evidence to believe that the Word of God is true. Uh, and many people today have these same questions. It's full of prayer. But it's mostly meant to create an environment where people can say, I want to know, but I don't know. Okay? So, so this Alpha content is all over the world. I have gone through it myself. It's excellent and simple. And so I already have two, three guys who are interested in joining this group and um, you know, be praying on that. But the goal really is to have six to eight people and open it up to the neighborhood. Supposed to be just a night for the neighborhood to come in and talk about Christianity and sometimes issues with Christianity. Now, out of Alpha, there's a 40% conversion rate from those that come to these gatherings. Um, like I said, it's really amazing, awesome, um, if I could say, a tool for evangelism. And so, if, we're, you know, if you say, man, I have questions about my faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know Christ, but I want to know about the Word and, and how does that work. Alpha is what we're going to use here, okay? So that's number one. So this is at the very starting level. Number two... We want people to grow in Christ. So it's not just to know Christ, but what do we want? We want you to develop, again, mature your growth in Christ. How are we going to do that? Well, we have life groups. That's why we have life groups. Life groups are gospel-centered gatherings where brothers and sisters gather together to find life. You know, here's what we did last this past Tuesday. We prayed, not just 10 minutes right before we started. We prayed like 35 minutes. We confessed sin, okay? Uh, we got to talk to one another, catch up with each other. Then we got to hear a word and... And I don't know if you know, it was, maybe it was a little high thinking about the Trinitarian love of God and how important that was a little <laughs> big concept. But I know that the Lord did work, but it's meant to challenge you. It's meant to tell you that, man, that's great that you know Christ, but don't stay there. 
You've got to grow in Christ. So life groups uh, are, are, is a place, is a rhythm in our church where we want people to come, uh, to, to invest in each other, okay, to grow as people. So that's one. Another way you can grow is by joining another Bible study. I know uh, Karen and Walt had their Bible study, which I just want to say, they're so awesome, aren't they? I, I love them. They're so faithful to serve. Uh, Karen's a woman of God. I learn so much from her every time I'm in some meeting with her. But, but Karen, you know, they lead a Bible study. All right, listen, I can't meet. I kind of, I'd rather just do Bible study. Like, you join their group. But, but what you need to be doing is you need to, go, you need to grow. You need to grow in the Word, grow in relationship, and grow with each other. But we're providing the means for you to do so. We're not telling you, grow, go make Christ the center of all, you know, your life, go raise up your health. That's not what we're saying. We're saying, like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to partner with you. Here's what we're going to do. Okay? Know Christ, grow in Christ. Three, learn in Christ. Okay? Learning communities. Uh, these groups are two or four people that aim to grow in the doctrine of the Word, to know higher theological topics, uh, to discover the richness of God's Word and, uh, and, the, and, and the place that God has in redemptive history. Right now I'm meeting with a couple of brothers offline and, and another brother uh, uh, learning about presuppositional apologetics, talking about doctrines of the faith, talking about doctrine of God, doctrine of man. That might be like, uh, I don't know about that. I'm totally cool with just, you know, life groups and meeting with guys. But we don't want you to stay there. You guys, you guys with me so far? You should be saying, okay, what are the categories of, God, of, of God's transcendence, right? What is eschatology? What is, what is theology? What is protology? What is cosmology? All the all theologies. You should be asking these things. Because why? Because you're going to be more mature. That's why. Not because, you know, it's just for you. It's for you to grow. Learning communities are designed to challenge our minds and hearts as we make big truths relevant to everyday life. Again, the end goal of that, and I just did it with a couple of brothers. You know what we did? We worshiped. At the end of our time, learning about the doctrine of, uh, doctrine of God, uh, the Bible, I'm sorry, and looking at the authority, necessity, uh, perspicuity, uh, and necessity of the scriptures. You know what we did? We worshiped. You know, we, at the end of our prayer was, what was it, Johnny? It was like, Holy Spirit, come, teach us. That was our response. Our response was it? oh, well, I know the Bible, and I know theology, and I know... That wasn't my response. But that's what true, um, true discipleship making does. We begin to uh, become in awe of who Christ is. So this is a learning community. We're progressing into maturity. And number four, um, lead for Christ, okay? Um, I, I believe that this, uh, Jesus gave the title uh, to Peter. Um, he told him, go ahead and feed my sheep. Uh, Paul was a leader. Uh, he led a church planning movement like we've never seen before, probably we'll never see. But, but he did it, and now we're reaping those results, okay? When we mean lead for Christ, we mean leadership. We mean people to grow in their leadership calling, and not only that, but to develop and hone their gifts. Each person here, according to Ephesians 4, has some gift to contribute to this body. And you know what we want to do? We want to just fan that flame and say, all right, let's do it together. Let's grow in that piece. Whether it is preaching, whether it is worship ministry, whether it is the, uh, teaching, uh, or whether it is um, you know uh, the prophetic, you know um, any any of these things, um, we want to we want to help you with that. So right now we're part, uh, we're beginning to pray to partnering with uh, a couple of brothers who are way farther along than me <laughs> uh, to help us and create some type of cohort uh, for us to grow in this reality. Okay, and you know, why don't you go to Ephesians 4 as we begin to finish up this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. 
It says this, So Christ himself gave the, uh, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So here's the gifts, right? Look at verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son, and what? Say it again, and become what? Mature. Attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Our mission here is for you to say, I'm not okay, but also to say, I, I need to grow. And as we look at our, um, uh, as we begin to develop this mission, these, these, this pathway, if I could say, of discipleship, um, is, is really something that I believe the Lord is going to bless. And it's going to do two things. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bring more people. I'm telling you right now, you know what people want the most in their life? They want to grow. But we're going to do this. You're not going to grow in the world's way. You're going to grow in the gospel. You're going to grow in Christ. You're going to grow in the spirit and in the word of God. So I pray that we can live out this mission together for the advancement of the gospel and for the glory of his great name. So let me read to you the mission one more time. Our mission is to raise up mature disciples who live out the gospel in everyday life. Amen? Why don't we respond and pray uh, as we close this morning?